Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, and welcome to John Kuhn Talking Politics. Hosted by Charleston County Republican Party Chairman John Kuhn and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Thank you for listening today and every Saturday at 2 for John Kuhn Talking Politics. Good Saturday afternoon, Charleston. It's just so good to be on the air here with you talking politics and talking everything. I have my radio show this morning on John Kuhn talking law at 8 o'clock this morning. So you all know I have a radio show at 8 o'clock this morning on talking law. Uh, And I promise to practice uh, Doris Day's How Much Is That Doggy in the Window? So I did practice it because I keep my promises. I'm a farm boy and we farm boys, we keep our promises, right? So I promised to practice one of my all-time favorite songs. And she just died uh, two weeks ago with pneumonia at age 97. Um, And so I was talking this morning about the two D-Days in my book. The clearly the the end of World War the the beginning of the end of World War II with that D Day on the Normandy Beach, but the other D Day is Doris Day, who was probably the finest singer in the 1950s. She's beautiful, beautiful voice. And now when I sing this song for you, it's not going to be anywhere near what she could do. She you need to look it up um, and play her version, which is just she has a stunningly beautiful voice. But in case you forgot how beautiful she was as a singer, how beautiful she was as a person, how beautiful her song, one of her many hits, five number one hits in the U.S. in the 1950s. But the How Much Is This Doggy in the Window is the most famous, is my favorite. So I promise to sing it, So at least the, the chorus. So you ready? I'm going to sing this for you because I've been practicing, right? So I have to sing this Doris Day hit. She's one of my all-time favorites. Here we go. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy's for sale. Let me try it one more time. How much is that doggy in the window the one with the waggly tail how much is that doggy in the window i do hope that doggy's for sale well i did my best i'm definitely not the best singer but you know the song now don't you (laughs) Yeah, it's one of the cutest songs ever. You should listen to the original. Um, I forgot all the the verses about, um, you know, she doesn't want a a goldfish because you can't take them for a walk. That's all in the song. Um, This is a cute song. Uh, It's more than a cute song. It's a classic. It's an eternal classic. How much is that doggy in the window by Doris Day? Anyway, 
What a great way to start our Saturday afternoon on June 8th, 2 o'clock. And John Kuhn talking politics, chairman of the Charleston County Republican Party, former state senator for Charleston. Uh, I probably should be sticking to politics and not singing Doris Day songs, but I will be always singing because I can't resist it. I'm a huge Beatles fan, huge Beatles fan. My son, my son took me to see the McCartney concert in Greenville Thursday night. Can you imagine how lucky to go Thursday night in Greenville a week ago um, to see McCartney? Oh my God, he was fantastic. He did 34 songs or something like that. Just incredible. What a voice he's got. Um, to still be singing at like age 75 or whatever he is, that's incredible. Paul McCartney concert. Yeah, so I'm big. And that was my Christmas present from my son, Philip. He's 20. He's in college at University of Chicago. So he actually literally flew down from Chicago on Thursday. I picked him up at the Greenville Airport in Greenville, South Carolina. Drove over to the um, sports arena in Greenville. And we went to the McCartney concert at great seats he got us. It was so fun sitting on the balcony on the side. and Just so close. Uh, so cool. So cool to see McCartney bucket list for me. My son is so cool. They give me those tickets for Christmas. Um, so I'm a huge McCartney fan. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I grew up a big Lennon fan, John Lennon fan. I'm beginning to appreciate McCartney over the last 20 years. How, how beautiful, how much music he wrote. He really was probably the best at writing melodies of all of them for sure. Lennon was the best at writing rock and roll for sure. Songs like revolution, but Hey Jude, of course, is McCartney. Uh, but no no slouch on the melodies, Lennon, either. I mean, he wrote um, oh, all kinds of beautiful melodies. Uh, not coming to me at this very moment, but, um, you know, great, great, great songwriters, the Beatles. Great musicians, Harrison and Ringo Starr. No slouches on the, on the guitars and the drums either. So quite, quite the band. The Beatles, quite awesome that my son would uh, get me tickets for Christmas for the Beatles, for McCartney uh, in Greenville, and we would go. And he was really nice, too. I took him home afterwards and here in Charleston for the weekend because it was my daughter Louisa's 18th birthday. So he was smart. He timed it for us to go to the McCartney concert in Greenville and then drive down that night. I got in at 2.30 in the morning, so it felt like I was young. Uh, I'm 56 years old, but I felt like I was you know, 36 years old, driving back from the concert at, you know, 2 in the morning, 2.30, home got here in Charleston. Uh, but it was so much fun. You're on a little bit of an adrenaline rush after listening to McCartney for 30 songs, right? Um, so, big fan of music. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of music if I know Doris Day. And know, like, I have on on my radio several of her songs, like uh, K Sarah Sarah, um, Whatever Will Be Will Be. Such a beautiful song. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Yeah, I try, right? I could sing them. I did practice the how much is the doggy in the windows. I did that for you, right? (laughs) Ah, shoot. I'm even a big fan of Patty Page. You know, she sang the Tennessee Waltz. My wife and I met at Vanderbilt. Um, and our first song that we danced to at our wedding 
was a Tennessee waltz, which is really Patti Page's song that's so famous. I will not try to sing that. Um, you have to have a perfect voice to sing um, Tennessee waltz. I've tried to sing it in the past. It's just not darn near impossible. Uh, and it's a minor key, and it's kind of hard to sing. The Doris Day doggy in the window is easy to sing because it's cute and fun, um, and it's classic. And But the Tennessee waltz is really... Doris Day has an incredible voice. I'm sure she could have sang the Tennessee um, Waltz just as well as Patty Page did. But, um, you know, Patty Page made that famous. What a great song, Tennessee Waltz. All of these are great songs. So just thought I would. So all the McCartney songs are great. Can't get over how much fun we had. They played uh, Band on the Run. They played, uh, you know, um, several Beatles songs. Uh, they sang um, just all um, Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. They played a couple early uh, Beatles songs, four early Beatles songs, all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, very fun to watch. And I feel like he had his original guitarist from Wings back. What a great guitarist. A lot of great Wings songs. They did all play Jet, which is one of my favorite, but... Um, that'd be hard to sing at this point, but he sang a lot of great songs. I sang Blackbird um, and a couple songs to John Lennon and George Harrison. Really a great show. Great show. Great time to be down there with my son. What a great father-son experience uh, for us to, Philip, to see um, to see McCartney together. Really, truly cool. Um, I'll remember that for the rest of my life, and so will he. Um, so great times thinking about the fun stuff in life. Um, one of the things, too, that we should be talking about the other Doris Day, I mean, the other D-Day is, the other D-Day, of course, is the one that just happened on Thursday, June 6th, the 75th anniversary of the D-Day, um, Deployment Day to Europe. That was Deployment Day to Europe when we deployed our troops um, into uh, the French um, country of France on the Normandy course, coast into the European continent to fight the stupid Nazis, right? And it was a tough war to win, and that was the toughest part, was getting getting all our troops deployed. I had a lot of them lost in one day, lost 10,000 troops in one day because you just had to land them, period, being shot at, shot at, shot at, and knowing that, you know, they're going to get shot at, but just you just got to get them all in there and get going. And then once they got in there, they were very successful. Turning point of the war for the, for the Allied powers. The Allied powers would be England, U.S., France, um, we fought in that war, ironically, Italy and Germany and Japan, but on our side was Russia, believe it or not. Uh, so that's the Allied powers uh, in World War II was Russia and England and and um, the U.S. and France and a number of others. Um, but that's just to name the primary ones, you know, the ones with the most to lose. Um, certainly the Russians lost a lot of people in that war fighting not... Hitler's army, um, uh, yeah, just hard, hard, hard win, hard war to win. When, and that deployment was probably the hardest deployment in the history of of um, military operations because you just had to land a lot of troop, troops in heavy fire and and lose a good number 
10,000 to be exact. I think the exact figure was 4,400 that they know were lost, but I, I'm sure it was 10,000 is the figure they figure is total um, for us um, in one 24-hour period. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a hard way to get started in World War II, but it was the turning point because once we got our troops on the continent in Europe, we were off to the races and we've just... Patton was a genius general. He just annihilated the um, Italian and the Nazi armies. Um, Eisenhower was a brilliant, brilliant general, um, brilliant tactician behind the Pacific Theater, and brilliant for the whole war. Worked very closely with Winston Churchill. I read a long biography on Churchill recently and realized how closely Dwight Eisenhower and Churchill worked uh, to win that um, World War II against Nazi Germany and uh, Mussolini in Italy and Japan and the powers that try to win in Japan. So lots of lot, that was a tough war, as you know. But it was it. Ironically, World War One was called the War to End All Wars, and then we know it did not. Twenty-five years later, we're in another war called World War Two. So the very thing it was supposed to do, it didn't do. And interestingly enough, World War Two is not called the War to End All Wars, and it really was because we really haven't had a major war since World War Two ended in uh, nineteen forty-five. We, of course, have had two um, big conflicts: Korea and well, four big conflicts. We've had Korea and we've had Vietnam and we've had the Gulf War and we've had Afghanistan. So we've had four um, conflicts, I think they're called, but not a world war. Uh, so ironically, World War II really... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It and the war wars and the, and the major wars. And hopefully... Um, not only for the rest of my life, but for the rest of my kids' and grandkids' lives. I hope they don't ever have a world war like that, ever. Uh, it's nice to live in peaceful times. It's nice to have um, great things happen, like going to the moon in 1969. Great things happen, like um, the invention of the computers by, by IBM, and nice things happen, like the creating of the personal computer by Apple, and nice things happen by, like, Microsoft... Um, creating software to make the IBMs work like apples. That's basically what they did. Lots of geniuses in this country. Imagine going to the moon. 2,000 years of people looking up at the moon. Six, 7,000 years of people looking up at the moon in wonder. Never think you'd ever be able to go there. And then yeah, we go there in 1969 with Neil Armstrong and Apollo 11. Just like that, off to the moon you know, it took ten years of since um, took ten years to get there to that point with NASA, but it was awesome. I saw it when I was a little kid on television. Uh, all of us my age saw it. It's amazing to see see Neil Armstrong walk on the moon uh, in 1969. 
uh, for the United States under Apollo 11. So cool, right? So anyway, we're having fun today. We've talked about Doris Day. We've talked about the real D-Day, which is deployment in Europe, World War II. We've talked about my trip to the McCartney concert with my son, Philip. And we've talked about, uh, let's see, Patty Page, Beatles, kind of all kinds of fun stuff. I'm, I'm like one of those folks who likes fun stuff. That's why I like Beatles music. Um, that's why I like How Much Is That Doggy in the Window by Doris Day. Um, I like military history because I like to think we can um, learn from it and, and win more battles. Um, my son Phillips got me to watch Game of Thrones. Wow, I didn't know how good that is. It's amazing. Um, he said I wouldn't be able to stop watching, and I haven't been able to stop watching. I watched six episodes the first day on Sunday. I was going to watch one episode, and I ended up watching six. Uh, boy, is Game of Thrones well, 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 well. The cinematography is amazing. Amazing. And just stunning cinematography. That's one of the reasons it's so good. It's just so well done. And the story is great because I'm like, you know, I like wars and battles and history. And, you know, I think I also talked about um, the Revolutionary War this morning because we talked about how, you know, um, General Washington managed to beat the British on land and John Paul Jones, naval um, admiral, managed to beat the British Navy, I see, right here in Charleston. Um, battles were in the Revolutionary War big time um, against the Navy. Carolina Day was this basically the start of the naval battles and five uh, a week before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, a week before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, we had a huge naval battle against the British, um, and that's when we realized we could beat their Navy uh, no matter how strong they thought they were. So, you know, that's a big battle in Charleston to help them have the courage to sign the Declaration of Independence and say we're out of out of England. And then John Paul Jones went on to beat the heck out of the British Navy, and so did George Washington went on to beat the heck out of the British Army, and pretty cool. So lots of cool stuff to talk about. Um, but I was just thinking about uh, how many soldiers we lost um on the beaches of Normandy for us to be free from, from fascism and from Nazism and from, you know, anti-Semitism and all the rest that we are free from because of our soldiers. They're to be commended. They are to be, uh, made heroic and they are made to be tap our tip our hat to them. And we are to bow down to them and thank them for what they've done uh, to make us free as a country. Um, and you know what? That's one reason I'm so mad at the football players for not standing up for the national anthem. Do you not understand how many people died in the Revolutionary War under General Washington and under John Paul Jones and against the British Navy and Army? How many people died in this country for you to be free so that you can stand for the anthem? And do you realize how many people we had? We had 10,000 people die on Normandy Beach in one day. 10,000 soldiers die on Normandy Beach in one day so you can stand up for your national anthem, pro football players. They did it for you to be able to be free. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a free country and you wouldn't even be able to play pro football. If it weren't for the 10,000 people who died on the Normandy Beach, you'd be Nazi Germany, right? 
think you better thank those people and stand up for the anthem pro football players. Stop being a little bunch of spoiled brats with your millions and millions of dollars. And you say it's for the people in your community. It's not. Because I don't see you guys in your communities, pro football players. If you really were so serious about helping your communities, how come you're not in your communities helping them? Don't tell us you're interested in that unless you're going to start doing it yourself. And almost none of you are. You're talking, yapping, not standing up for an anthem that stands for the 10,000 people who died on Normandy Beach in one day for you to be free to be able to stand up for that anthem. For thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans who died in the Revolutionary War under General Washington and under John Paul Jones in the British Navy, I mean the American Navy, to be able to beat the British and free our country and make it so that you can play football for ridiculous amounts of money. And why don't you take your money and your time and go into your neighborhoods you're so concerned with and help? Because I'm sure they would actually appreciate it. Stand up for the anthem and go to your neighborhoods and stand up for what you believe in and stop asking everyone else to do your work for you. Now, time for a break. John Kuhn talking politics. News Radio 94.3 WSC. You're listening to John Kuhn talking politics with Charleston County Republican Party Chairman John Kuhn. Well, I'm back at you and glad to be back at you. And I'm glad you're listening to my show this afternoon on News Radio 94.3 WSC. It's just so awesome that you would take the time to listen to me. I just, I'm grateful for that. I know you've got a lot of things you can do or listen to, and I know you've got a lot of things you can do on a beautiful Saturday afternoon, but you're so awesome to listen to me and take the time to listen to News Radio 94.3 WSC. We very, very much appreciate it, and we appreciate the fact that you care enough uh, to listen to our conservative point of view and to listen to, you know, in my case, it's just a point of view, period. I mean, I love to talk about the Beatles. I love to talk about Doris Day. I love to talk about the Revolutionary War. I love to talk about D-Day. I love to talk about our our football players should stand up for the anthem. I mean, these are just, these are more than just conservative issues. These are really the heart of America. You know, the heart of America is we've been growing up with a radio in our, transistor radio in our ear. That's why, that's how we listen to Doris Day. We listen to Doris Day with a transistor radio in our ear, right? And we listen to the Beatles with a transistor radio in our ear. And then, and then our parents would put us to bed at like eight o'clock and then we would pull out the transistor radio and listen to the, the radio station for an hour or two before falling asleep, listening to the Beatles, listening to Doris Day, listening to Patty Page, Tennessee Waltz, you know, that's what we would do. So we would be listening to all that stuff while our parents thought we were asleep, right? But we got that little transistor radio under a pillow and just listening to it softly so that our parents don't really know it's on. I mean, I know you did that because I know I did that and, and my parents were pretty strict. So it was not on very loud, but that's where I listened to Beatles music. That's how I became a Beatles fan, listening to uh, my local radio station in El Centro, California, um, you know, KLOS. And it was just uh, fun to be able to listen to the Beatles after supposedly put to bed, listen to Patty Page, listen to Doris Day. And that more for me, I was listening to the to the Dodger ball games too. Cause my parents, I grew up on a farm, so I was in bed at eight. And the games weren't over yet. So I would literally have some so the games I think started at seven in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. 
So I would listen from seven to eight with, you know, studying or whatever doing, whatever doing around the house, then go to bed at eight. But then from eight to nine, I'd still listen with my, my parents realizing it on my little orange transistor radio. I had an orange one and then I had a green one. So I had two transistor radios over about a 10-year period. But anyway, I put that little green radio under my pillow and listened to the last half of the Dodger ball game. And at 9 o'clock, it'd be about done. And then I'd go to bed. I listened to Vin Scully, was the announcer for the Dodgers. He was incredible. Incredible voice. Incredible person. Incredible man. Incredible, incredible, incredible person. You've seen him many times if you watch baseball on, on national television. He did a lot of the national broadcasts in the in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and was a Dodger broadcaster from long before that, Vin Scully. And I listened to him, you know, with the Dodger games, be 100 and, 164 games a year, if I remember right. I think that's right. 162, 164, somewhere in there. Um, games a year. I think it's 162 because I think it's 81 home and 81 away games, if I'm remembering right. Um, so a huge Dodger fan growing up because of that, because listening to the transistor radio under my pillow, um, you know, on the farm with, you know, then I'm nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, parents think I'm sleeping, but I'm really watching, listening to the, end of the Dodger game. My brother did too. My brother had his transistor radio under his pillow and was listening to the Dodger game in his room. So, you know, and then we're listening to Beatles and we're listening to the, all the top hits and case to case and in the top 40. And, you know, we all grew up on all that in the America. It's kind of weird now because this young generation, they don't grow up on all this stuff at all. The closest thing they have to what we had is, is the game of Thrones, uh, which I just was telling you about. It's beautifully recorded and it's genius. Uh, but that's the closest thing they have where they all seem to have watched that. Uh, at least the 20 year olds have all watched this game of Thrones sing, Sort of like we would have all been listening to the Beatles on our radios, even at home. Um, been listening to the Dodger games in Southern California. Listening to the Braves games here in, um, well, they weren't here until I think the 1960s. I don't know when they moved from Milwaukee down to, that's how big a baseball fan. I mean, I'm remembering this from, from my Dodger Vin Scully days. I know the Braves were up in Milwaukee. They had Hank Aaron. They moved down to... Atlanta, I think 1958, probably later than that, probably in the 60s. Anyway, so consequently, you know, once you, you, you grew up in this area, you're listening to the Braves games on your transistor radio, right? And I know you were listening to the Washington Redskins football games because that was the only team in the South, basically. Your only two football teams in the South from until about 1970, before 1975, I think the only two Southern teams you had, I'm not counting Florida. So I think the only two teams you had in the South were Washington, D.C., the Redskins, and New Orleans Saints. I don't even know when the Saints started. But I think those were the two teams in the South. Big hole in Atlanta with no team until the Falcons showed up. Um, So, uh, you know, interesting how things develop over time. Um, But anyway, it's all kind of interesting. So... But I was thinking about those days when I grew up with the transistor radio, and uh, it's just so great to grow up in America, in a free country where we get to listen to our radios at night when our parents don't realize it, and listen to the Beatles, and listen to Doris Day, and listen to Patty Page, and listen to 
the Atlanta Braves and Vince Scully for the Dodgers and the Cubs up in Chicago and, you know, New York Yankees and New York Mets. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, we won't mention Boston. I'm not a Boston fan, right? Why would I be a Boston fan? Grew up in Southern California, and I live here in the South, so there's no reason to be a Boston fan. I'm rooting for the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night in the uh, Stanley Cup play finals. If the Blues win tomorrow night against the Boston Bruins, they win their first Stanley Cup in the, in the history of the franchise. How cool would that be tomorrow night on NBC at 8 o'clock? Stanley Cup Got the St. Louis Blues in the finals against the Boston Bruins. They got a one-game lead, and they got one game to win to win the whole cup. So tomorrow night really will be the—and it's in St. Louis tomorrow night. So if St. Louis wins tomorrow night, they get to skate the cup on their home ice. They get to skate the Stanley Cup on their home ice. This is so awesome and so fun. Only half the teams that win a cup actually get to skate at home because a lot of times they win on the road. So if St. Louis manages to beat Boston tomorrow night on national television at 8 o'clock at NBC, they will be able to skate the puck and, and thrill and celebrate right there in St. Louis and have so much fun. 49 years of never winning a cup in NL. You know, why would I root for Boston? They have, how many cups have you won? Like five, six, seven, something a lot. You know, a lot for the Bruins. You don't need another cup. You got enough cups. You got enough Super Bowls over there in Boston. You got enough... Um, uh, you know, pennants with the Red Sox in the last 20 years. I think you got enough for the Celtic trophies for the basketball. No, Boston. No, 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 Boston. I know, if you're a Boston fan. Hey, if you're from Boston, you probably don't like the, the conservative movement anyway, so I don't have to like you. Now, if you call me up and say, I am a conservative Republican from Boston, you will be my superhero, and I will consider rooting for your team. But you won't even be able to do that, will you? Because you're not a conservative, um, you know, Republican from Boston. Although you did have a Republican governor as recently as Mitt Romney. So there's got to be some Republicans there in New England, right? Um, so got to be loving that. Anyways, gotta give Bo- I've got to give Boston a hard time because they've won plenty of everything. And St. Louis has not won any Stanley Cups ever in the 49-year history of the Sandfries. And if they win tomorrow night, Sunday night at 8 o'clock on NBC, it'll be awesome. And I'll be so, so psyched for them uh, because it's been a long time coming. I'm a Chicago Blackhawks fan, so the Blues are arch rivals for us. But I still prefer the Blues over the Bruins. Because the Bruins just got so many fans. You have so many fans. You got so many people up there in New England that just live and die, all that stuff. So we got to beat you guys. Go Blues. I'm rooting for my Blues, even though they're my arch rival over my Blackhawks. I'm all for the Blues. Got to go for the Midwest, right? One thing the Midwesterners have with the Southerners, we're all agrarian background. That means farmers. Farmers in, in the Midwest. Farmers in the South. So we got the agrarian background in the Midwest and the South, right? So 
Southerners don't really know it, but you've got a lot more in common with the Republican Midwest in the South than you think, especially Chicago, uh, where they never win anything. Um, Even the Bears have a hard time winning, uh, although they now have Trubisky, the quarterback who came from North Carolina Chapel Hill. Yes! So I'm rooting more for the Bears than ever. Uh, I'd say we even got a Chapel Hill boy as our quarterback, and he's awesome. So pretty excited about that for our Bears. Anyway, so all of us Southerners should love those Midwesterners because the same agrarian work ethic and the same values and the same conservative thinking. Boston, you've got some conservatives up there. I know you do. Otherwise, you would not have elected Mitt Romney governor, a conservative Republican, right? Um, Now, I think he's over in um, Utah as a U.S. senator now. I don't understand that. Mitt Romney, two things I got to ask you. How are you a governor in Boston, a governor in in um, in in New England, in Massachusetts, and then turn out a U.S. senator from Utah 10 years later? And I'm going to give you a hard time, Mitt Romney, because even though you're my favorite Republican governor from Massachusetts— you are not a fan of mine. I'm not a fan of yours right now going after Trump. It is not your job to go after Trump, our United States president, who is conservative and trying to drain the swamp. Mitt Romney, our own, my own party, my own party senator, if you are going to go after Trump, mean to him and not be nice like you are, maybe you're the swamp. Maybe you're exactly who should be out of office, Mitt Romney. First of all, it is questionable that you are a United States senator from Utah after being a governor from Massachusetts. I couldn't pull that off. How do you be a governor of one state and then turn around and be a U.S. senator from a completely different part of the country 10 years later? Mr. Romney, Senator Romney, stop going after President Trump and worry about the state of Utah. That's your job as a United States senator is to help Utah not smash your own party president. I don't know why you ran for for, um, U.S. Senate at all. If that was your agenda was to smash our own party, stop it. Stop being part of the swamp, United States Senator Mitt Romney. Start being a team player with Trump who's trying to do all kinds of great things for this country. Trump was just over in Normandy for D-Day. He was just over at the um visiting the Queen in England and visiting the uh you know uh Prince Charles. And he's he's a gentleman of his own way. I'm telling you, President Trump is a gentleman his own way. Look, he goes and has fun with the Queen and has fun with the um, Dutch Joseph Cornwell. You know, he's trying to do what's best for this country. And Senator Mitt Romney from, from, from Utah, you need to be realizing he's not someone you slam and he's your own party. Stop slamming your own party, especially when Trump is doing a phenomenal job of draining the swamp, like he said he would. For all of us Americans, whether we're Republican or Democrat, want that swamp drained. And he's doing it the hard way because people like you, Mitt Romney, are not letting him. But you won't be in office long if you keep this up because people like me don't like it when you don't be a team player and you go against your own party and and meanly. 
Mitt Romney, you've been mean. You're not being nice to your own man. And he is a, he is a great, great president. You may not like him as a person, but he, apparently the queen does. The queen of England is is willing to meet with him and realize that he's, he's part of the reason America's turning great again. That was his slogan, and he's made it happen. Unlike our last President Obama, whose who's, who's slogan was for change. I don't know what kind of change we got to Obama, but it wasn't make America great again. It was bad. It was bad. So, so Senator Mitt Romney from the Republican Party, my own party, are you for Obama then? Are you for the bad? Or are you f- the bad? He was bad. He was bad for our country. We went downhill. We had bad stock markets, bad economy, and bad recession, and bad everything under Obama. And he didn't care. He didn't do anything. Meanwhile, Trump is working, 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 working. If you don't like Trump, it's all right. You can at least admit he works. I mean, nobody works harder than Trump does. Don't tell me about playing golf. He's working for you by beating up on North Korea, he's working for you by making, sending a message to China by the way he handles North Korea. Don't touch us. He's sending messages to China with the tariffs. He's sending them to, to play ball economically with our companies and with our steel industry and with our people and our textiles. We lost too many jobs to, to NAFTA. He's working on NAFTA. He's working on Mexico. He's working on a wall. He's working. He's already got a a tax bill passed that's phenomenal for the average citizen in America. What is it you don't think he's working on, Mitt Romney? President Trump is working on everything in a good way. Well, I don't care whether you like him. He's doing a great job. Meanwhile, you are detracting and being a problem, Senator Romney. Go back to Massachusetts. I don't even know how you got to Utah. How do you become a United States senator out of Utah when you are actually governor 10 years earlier from Massachusetts? And, you know, Mitt Romney, you're who's hurting the party. Trump's not hurting the party. Trump is making us successful as a nation. That helps the party and the people in this country, even if you're Democrat. Trump is helping all of us, even us Democrats and all of us Republicans. He's helping all of us by having an agenda that works against China and works against the free trade problems that have cost us jobs. And he's working uh, over in Normandy to show how respectful we are for... He's the one who came out and said, people need to stand up. The, the pro football players need to stand up for the anthem. They do. They need to stand up for the anthem. I just covered that in the last 20-minute segment on this show. The pro football players do need to be... I mean, Trump's awesome. He's awesome. Look at all the things he's done. I just went through about 20 things. That's just what popped in my mind. Those are just the things that popped in my mind in about two minutes that Trump have done awesome. Meanwhile, Senator Mitt Romney, Republican, my own party from Utah, you do nothing but bash him. Stop it. That's not your job. And if it is your job, you better get out of office because you're not a team player. How about being a team player? Ryan, Speaker of the House, Ryan couldn't be a team player, and he's out because he couldn't understand it's a team sport as a Republican Party. We're all trying to do what's best for the country. We are trying to do what's best as Republicans for the people in this country. Let me repeat that. We are trying to do what's best for the people in this country as Republicans. Whether you are a Democrat or a Republican is irrelevant whether you are a Green Party or a fascist or a liberal or a conservative is irrelevant. The Republican Party is trying to do the best we can for all of us. That's why he's trying to drain the swamp. 
That's why President Trump is trying to drain the swamp because the swamp is not for us. I mean, you're part of the swamp when you when you smash the the president when he's trying to make it work better. When he is trying to give our country back to all of us, Republicans and Democrats alike. When he Trump is trying to give us back our country, Republicans and Democrats alike. Trump is trying to give us back our country, us the population, the, the Democrats and the Republicans, the conservatives and the liberals. He's trying to give all of us our country back and do the things that are right, like go to Normandy and meet with the queen. You know what, Mitt Romney? Maybe you should go meet with the, the queen and learn how to be polite, right? So, yay, President Trump doing a great job of giving our country back to us and making America great again. He is the antithesis of President Obama, who did nothing but turn a blind eye to Israel, turn a blind eye to the poor in the United States, turned a blind eye to the average working person, turned a blind eye to everything but his political cronies in Washington and the wealthy. The only thing Obama was interested in was the wealthy, which is why the Democrats did not get reelected with their Hillary Clinton, because she would have been more of the same. Instead, the country, including a lot of Democrats, voted for Trump because they wanted a real change. They didn't want an Obama change, which was a joke. They wanted a real change, which was make America great again. He reminds me of President Reagan, who was also awesome. And they both remind me of President Dwight Eisenhower, who was phenomenal. Talk about three incredible Republican presidents, though the three, the triune, the tri, they're awesome. That triune is awesome. That would be Dwight Eisenhower, five-star general, World War II D-Day hero, developed the plans. That would be President Reagan to make America great again, President Trump. It's awesome to have President Reagan who restored America's greatness and it's great to have President Trump who's making America great again and has all these policies that are for us as the people and not for the political cronies in Washington and New York. Thank you. Time for a break. I love the fact that you listen to my radio show. It's an honor that you're taking the time to listen to me, John Goondock and Baltics, News Radio 94.3 WSC. You're listening to John Kuhn talking politics with Charleston County Republican Party Chairman John Kuhn. <laughs> I'm on a roll today because it's just so fun to be able to talk politics and talk about the things that matter for our country. And it's so great to talk about the things that matter for our area and talk about, you know, the talk about the little things like our transistor radios under our pillows, growing up listening to the Dodger games or listening to the Braves games or, or listening to Doris Day or the Beatles or. Uh, Patty Page, you know, we all grew up with the transistor radios under our ear. It's just so great, right? Um, so it's fun to be able to grow up in a free country and it's fun to be able to have a radio show and talk about the things that matter. I'm trying to help everyone understand that Trump is a great president and because he's working, 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 working hard for you. Nobody's worked harder than any presidency in my life. Truly, I, I'm a huge Reagan fan. I grew up with him, and I think he's a phenomenal president. He didn't work as hard as Trump, though, so. Reagan was more laid back. He was more thoughtful, and he was more um, more, more effective in, in getting coalitions and working across the aisle. Uh, but Re Trump can't work across the aisle because look at Nancy Pelosi. 
She's not working with him. She's bashing him. She wants to actually frame him. She actually wants to frame him on this Russian thing that they clearly know doesn't work and is not really true. So if you're going to try and bash and frame the president, he can't work with you like Reagan was able to work with Hip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill, strong, ardent, Massachusetts Democratic congressman, Speaker of the House. I don't call him a great man because he's my opponent, other party, but he is a great man, Tip O'Neill, because he worked with President Reagan and they worked across the aisle. So really, in the end, Tip O'Neill was a great man and they got a lot done for America and they had a budget. Now, Nancy Pelosi, no budget. Why? Tip O'Neill would have a budget. She, he's your same party, Nancy Pelosi. So Tip O'Neill's a rock star, Democrat, Speaker of the House. He got a budget, and then he worked with President Reagan on things they could agree on, and then they, the things they could not agree on, they just didn't. They didn't do anything about. But they moved America forward as two great men. Nancy Pelosi, you are not a great person. You are bashing the president that you're supposedly supposed to be working with. You are trying to frame him and you're trying to get him, you know, impeached. Do you think running impeachment proceedings, Nancy Pelosi, is going to get you a budget? Because your job is to get a budget as Speaker of the House. Tip O'Neill, why don't you copy your predecessor who was a superhero for your party? Why don't you copy him? Trump is trying to copy Eisenhower and Reagan and it's turning out to work out great. Why don't you, Nancy Pelosi, try to copy Tip O'Neill, a phenomenal Speaker of the House from your party, right? Because he got a budget every year together, and then they passed it in the House, and then they passed it in the Senate, whether the Senate was the other party or not, they'd still get it passed, and they get onto the president's desk, and they'd move on, and they'd compromise and move on and have a great... We had a great America under Reagan, and part of it was because Democrat Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House, was a great man and worked across the aisle. Nancy Pelosi, you need to be out of office because you won't help. You're part of the problem. You're sort of like Mitt Romney in our party who's bashing the president. Mitt Romney needs to be out of office too. Nancy Pelosi, you need to be office too. Look at this. I'm fair. On the John Kuhn Doc in Baltics, I'm fair because I think our U.S. Senator on the Republican side, Mitt Romney, should be out of office because his only job apparently is to bash the president. Unfortunately, Nancy Pelosi, who's supposed to be working across the aisle with the president, does nothing but bash him and try and impeach him. So she needs to be out of office, too. So Democrat Speaker of the House, Pelosi, you need to go. And Republican U.S. Senator from Utah, who doesn't even from Utah, he's really from Massachusetts, should not have run from Utah anyway. That man, Mitt Romney, from our party, should be out, too. Why? Because, because Trump is trying to make America great. Because Trump is trying to get a budget and Derek and Trump is trying to get um, great trade policies with all the other countries. And he's trying to stop the NAFTA problem with losing our jobs. And he's trying to stop losing jobs for steel industry. And he's trying to make America great with jobs. The Democrat that used to be the Democratic Party platform when I grew up. The Democratic Party platform when I grew up was getting jobs. What happened to you people? Now you've got Nancy Pelosi, who apparently thinks that the Democratic Party policy should be impeach the president that the people voted for. Don't forget, Nancy Pelosi, the people in this country voted for 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 President Trump. The people in the, let me say that again. The people in this country voted for President Trump. So why are you trying to impeach him? Your job as Speaker of the House is to work with him and get a budget for your for your country. 
That's your job under the Constitution, Nancy Pelosi, is to get a budget, and you have done nothing of the sort. You're so busy trying to impeach and frame the president that you have no time. You're so busy trying to frame Kavanaugh as our Supreme Court justice that you have no time to do your job. Please, California, elect Nancy Pelosi out of office. She's useless. She's worse than useless. She's holding the country back. Please, the state of Utah, elect Mitt Romney back out of office. He's not doing his job either. I don't care for the Republican um, U.S. senator from Utah who's who's bashing the president and trying to bring him down when the president's doing nothing but trying to help the people. He's doing he's working, 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 working like crazy to help the people. That's all President Trump does is he works to help the people. He works to bring America back. He get back jobs. Democratic Party, your platform when I grew up was getting jobs for the people. Where did you lose that part of your platform? Because if you don't have that, you don't have a party. I'm telling you, Democratic Party, you don't have a party if you don't have a jobs platform because that is your party. You've been the you've you've lost that. to You know why you're mad at Trump, Democratic Party, because you've lost the platform to him. He, the Republican president, is the one who's getting jobs every day and working on it by trying to eliminate the NAFTA problems and trying to eliminate the 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 stupid Chinese currency issues that are are making it so our companies cannot compete. And he's making it so that our jobs come back to America with tariffs. Yes, he's trying to help America. That's the, that, is, that is the president of jobs for Americans. He's taken the Democrat Party platform as President Trump, so no wonder you guys don't like him because you've lost your own platform and you don't have a platform. Why don't you just go back to it? It's not hard. It's not rocket science, Nancy Pelosi. It's not rocket science, both of you, uh, leadership in the in the Democratic Party. It's not rocket science to go back to your jobs platform, which people believe in. People want to work. If they don't want to work, they need to leave the country. And now there's a lot of people who need to stay here and to get help, but there's a lot of people, if you don't want to work, go. Go somewhere else. You all threaten to leave and go to Canada if Trump got elected. Go. Go to Canada. It's a very free and great country. My, my family comes from Canada. I'm a hockey fan. I believe in Canada. I believe in the jobs up there. So if you don't want to be here in America because you don't like Trump, leave. Go to Canada. They'd love to have you. Um, and we'd love to be rid of you because you don't want to work fine. Go. Off you go. To Canada. My family's home country. Really, my family's home country is England early on. And on the other side, the, 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 the farmer side of me is Swiss German. So... You know, I'm the country of neutrality from Switzerland and not the country of neutrality from England. Kaiser's it's kind of imperialistic, right? But fortunately, I got all the Swiss in me, so I'm very neutral and I don't believe in many wars. But I went to military high school because all Swiss believe in military. So my father believed in the military, even though I grew up on a farm in California, off to military boarding school because we believe in the military and we believe in being ready, which was the Reagan platform. Be ready, carry a big stick, and you bark, you know, bark. I don't forget how that goes. Um, carry a big stick was from Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. He said, "If you what that slogan meant, so here's the gist of it. If you carry a big stick, people won't beat you up. That was Teddy Roosevelt's um, philosophy as the president of the United States. We make America strong. This is the Republican platform, of course, too. You make America strong with a great military, so strong that no one wants to mess with it. And that was Teddy Roosevelt's plan, and it's been 100 years ago, and it's been phenomenal ever since. 
probably longer than that now. I've grown older. Um, he was probably 100 years old and present 100 years ago when I was in high school. So it's probably 120 or 30 years since Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt was present. But he said, walk softly and carry a big stick. That's it. I knew it would pop into my head. There it is. Walk softly and carry a big stick. That's the Teddy Roosevelt philosophy. He was an awesome president. Most Democrats loved him. Most He started the National Park Service, even though he's a Republican. He started the National Park Service. He started with uh, the Grand Canyon, which I think just had their 100th anniversary. I think that's awesome that the Grand Canyon just had its 100th anniversary as a park. So Teddy Roosevelt and the Republican president started the National Park Service, believe it or not. He was the one who believed in a very big, strong military and walk softly and carry a big stick. And, of course, Reagan totally believed in that. Obviously, um, obviously, our current president, Trump, believes in that. Believe it or not, Eisenhower didn't. Eisenhower, the five-star general of the Army that won World War II for the world, along with Churchill, those are the two responsible for the brains behind the whole thing, Churchill and, and Eisenhower. Interestingly enough... Eisenhower said when he was president right afterwards in the 50s that we would end up spending too much money on the military and bankrupt the country on what he called a military-industrial complex. Eisenhower warned many, many speeches and many, many times. Our Republican five-star general of the Army in World War II was the one who had the, the brains and the, and the courage to say... That if your military is too big, you end up with a military-industrial complex and you spend too much money and you go broke. He's kind of right on that. That's been a Democratic Party platform and it's not been wrong either. So you guys, Democrats, you kind of stole that from our Republican president, Dwight Eisenhower, who was a five-star general of the Army in World War II and won World War II for the world, along with Winston Churchill over Nazi Germany and Mussolini and um, Japan, fascist Japan. Um, so anyway, Dwight Eisenhower, the Republican president, said if we have too much spending on the military, so there's a balance there. Fortunately, Trump, I think, understands the balance a little bit better. But remember, too, Reagan had to have a bigger military because you had Russia. So you had the USSR. So you have to have a bigger military if you've got a giant waiting there to beat you up if you're not small. So times are changing, like Bob Dylan said. There's another great song. The times, they are changing. There's your Dylan reference for the day. Tack him on with the Beatles and Elvis and Patty Page and... and um, and Doris Day. And I started out the whole show with Doris Day. Uh, how much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy's for sale. There you go. How about that for bringing the whole thing round? Thank you very, very much, Charleston, for listening to me, John Kuhn, talking politics, News Radio 94.3 WSC. Thank you for listening to John Kuhn talking politics, hosted by Charleston County Republican Party Chairman John Kuhn. Want to know more about the Charleston County Republican Party? Visit charlestonrepublicans.com. Tune in next Saturday at 2 for John Kuhn talking politics, heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.